0: Stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovic, thinking about a three, there it is, yes! See it again. No doubles. going on everybody. It is Tuesday, it's a new week, new year. Um we got a very special episode tonight as the uh the trade season kicks off and all the rumors are flying. There's more rumors than than I can even process at once. It just kills my phone battery all day long. Um I wanted to bring in a special guest, a guy who loves to get in spirited debates about basketball and every and <laughs> all sports in general. It is Mark Henry Jr. You know him as Mark in Philly. He is going to make you rich every day off of the betting world. And if he doesn't make you rich, he curses at the teams that don't make you rich. (laughs) Mark, how are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Me and Austin debate, like he said, often in the in our uh, Sixers Discord and the Painted Lines. We go back and forth. We agree, all, we agree a lot of the time, which you'll hear on certain topics, and we disagree some of the time on certain other topics. But I'm happy to be doing it uh, live on a podcast. It's fun. There we, there we go. There we go. So, Mark, we have trade rumors here today.
0: Um, we also have some news regarding Charlie Brown Jr. And then uh, Joel Embiid and his evolution as a dribbler, as a passer. And then I'm going to give you the floor to talk about some betting trends with this basketball team. Um, I can't imagine betting on them um, because I d- they just feel like an impossible team to predict <laughs> most of the time. Um, but anyway, we'll get into that. So first things first, we have the Sacramento Kings. Who are just falling apart as they do every season, Um, and it's 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 they're 15 and 26. They're the team on the schedule where, if regardless of who you are, if you if you're struggling and you see them coming on the schedule. You start to salivate a little bit because you feel like we have a chance to get back on track here. We, it doesn't matter that nine-tenths of our roster is in the COVID, code, or the COVID protocol. We'll call up our G-Leaguers. They'll have an outstanding performance as a team, and they'll beat the Kings by two. And then that'll be that'll be another loss against the Kings. Um, rumors are, are, are heating up because it sounds like they want to make the playoffs somehow, some way, even if that means a play-in game. Um, and so recently, according to Sam Amick of The Athletic, um, the Kings are, making, are, are considering making the Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton available in trade scenarios. I know you and I are not very high on the Fox train.
1: No, not at all. Uh, not at all. I, I know that uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that would be really excited by that. A, a lot of, uh, you know. I don't want to say casual NBA fans or I think there'd be a a lot of casuals or a lot of NBA fans and a lot of Sixers fans that hear that name, De'Aaron Fox. And it's like, Oh, I remember him at Kentucky. He's a dog. I remember him the last couple of years in Sacramento. Maybe they're not that good, but he's scoring a lot. I'd be a little bit more open to it. If we were talking about the De'Aaron Fox of last year, but this year's De'Aaron Fox is not last year's De'Aaron Fox.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's go over some of the numbers here. So, Obviously, I don't think the intention would be to trade Tyrese Maxey along with Ben Simmons and a trade for De'Aaron Fox. I think that would be, that would be, that would be something. Um, Fox's usage is pushing thirty percent for the season, so high usage guard dominates the ball. What does that mean for your, you know? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good thing when you have guys like Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey who command you know high usage as you know co-primary ball handlers with this team so it doesn't make sense from that fit um to to me other than that kind of stood out to me was that he's making like 50 and a half percent of his twos which is the, the top 25 percent of the nba so that's that's that uh, or guards in the nba I should say. so that's that's pretty good um the concerning thing is this threes effective field goal and true shooting are all way way down so he's neither an efficient scorer nor an efficient shooter, um, which is kind of what you how you can you know effective field goal and true shooting are the two judgments of of, of those two qualifications of efficient shooting and efficient scoring. Um, heavy mid range shot distribution. Only twenty nine percent of his shots are coming at the rim. So very speedy guard has a ball in his hand a lot. Doesn't get to the line. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, he's a mid range guy, which. It's fine if you if, if 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 you're if you're a good mid range shooter, um, but I, I just feel like if you have Tobias Harris still, and you trade Ben for De'Aaron Fox, you then have a point guard and a power forward who are love to feast in the mid range. It doesn't make for very efficient offense. I feel like um, his assists are down, his turnovers are are, are, are better, but the playmaking so the play- is okay at the point guard spot, but nothing great. Um, his defense is pretty good, he leads the Kings in deflections. Um, and he's just you know, having a very par for his own standard season in terms of blocks and fouls and steals and whatnot. Um, but it's very concerning to me that his regression is coming in the year five of, uh, of his career. Very marked, very significant regression in his game in the year five. Maybe the glass half full view is you can, you can say. Maybe he just needs a new start and a better environment. I don't really buy that. I, I I don't know that I'm convinced that he's a franchise point guard. If he was a franchise point guard, I feel like Sacramento would have made more leeway at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, As a glass half empty guy, I, I would probably <laughs> say that last year was – Probably a bit of an aberration, especially from three, um, how efficient he was from three. And um, I, I just don't ever see him getting back to those numbers. And I think we're seeing that this year. And I think we saw that earlier on in his career. And I, I always thought um, not, you know, I, I'm kind of dumping on Fox a little bit here, but I've always compared Maxi in a lot of ways to De'Aaron Fox. And I do think that, like you said, I don't think they're trading Maxi with Simmons and whoever we're getting back. I don't want there to be a redundancy between whoever we're getting back in Tyrese Maxey, which I think De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Maxey are about as redundant as it can get as, in terms of two players playing at the same time and in terms of two point guards that, you know, neither are going to ever be knocked down, drop dead, three point shooters, in my opinion. So I, I just don't think, and it's the same thing with people like DeJounte Murray, who obviously has taken a step and there's others out there that people have suggested as Ben Simmons targets that I think me, you, and people like Tiago and a lot of people have kind of pushed back on being like, Wait a second. We're trading Ben because of the fit, or not just obviously. There's you know outside of basketball reasons why Ben Simmons has to be traded at this point, <laughs> I guess. But the reason that people wanted him traded after the Hawks series, regardless of us knowing if Ben would play or not, was because of the fit and because of the lack of shooting and because of all the things that he's an uber specific player that you have to build around very specifically. Which was always my problem last year. We had a backup big who couldn't shoot at all, and they, they just couldn't mesh with Ben at all. So when you have Ben you have to be very specific about what you have. I think it's kind of the same way when you have a point guard like DeJounte Murray or a point guard like Aaron Fox or any of these guys who aren't excellent three-point shooters. I think they almost have to be surrounded by shooters. And at this point, I do kind of just want to see, if we are going to make a big bench trade, I want to see Joel surrounded by shooters.
0: I agree. I agree. I think that's the next best way to go. And I feel like maybe if you don't have that second bonafide star level player joel might be good enough where he could lead a team of just snipers by himself to conference finals or the finals um because i think his life gets a lot easier let's say you theoretically have guys that are in the mold of um like jJs or 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 you know whatever, you know, bigger you know JJ Red a of varying size. The point is snipers. um if if you if you have that, maybe his life becomes much easier anyway, and he can dominate a playoff series more so than he could in the past with guys that couldn't shoot or were wanted to operate in the mid range. Um, but let's go over to his running mate. And according to Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice, that uh, is Tyrese Halliburton, who is somebody who the sixers would have more interest in than they would de'Aaron Fox. And by the way, I kind of get it. Like I don't think I don't think Halliburton is like the numbers guy that Fox is. Granted he's on much lower usage, I think, than than De'Aaron Fox. So it kind of makes sense. But uh he's shooting 48.7 on twos, which is which is fine. But the threes are outsa- are insane. 445 percent on threes. Uh, is if his effective field goal is excellent, so he's an efficient he's an efficient shooter. And he's taking efficient shots, really. Um, doesn't get to the rim at all, but the shot distribution favors mid range and threes anyway. So I mean, I don't know that he's the quickest guard, so it kind of makes sense that he doesn't get to the rim a ton, especially when you figure out when you figure in his prowess as a shooter. But likes mid range, like threes. Um, and he has a 30% assist percentage, which is pretty good. He's a, he's a, he's a decent, you know, facility is a different, decent not pastor on the wing, He's a slasher. Um, and, you know, he, he has an assist to usage ratio of like 1.46. So what that means is he's assist, he's pa- making, he's, he, he's making a lot of passage a lot of passing given the amount, amount of time he has the ball in his hand, which is, which, which, which is good. Um, now, Turnovers can be a problem, but generally I think the way that he plays fits the Sixers much better. He's top 10% of the league in blocks and and steals and, f- and fouls. Um, second on the Kings in deflections. So I mean he's a fine defender. Um, I think he fits in best with what the Sixers have in terms of a guy that's not going to command the ball a lot. You're just going to basically wait patiently in the wings, relocate, and if he has to put the ball on the floor to attack close out, he can do it. But generally a a three a a three you know a three-point shooter with with some passing capabilities i don't know that he is a difference maker in the eyes of of what the sixers are doing which makes sense because you know the, the the viewpoint is that he would be a connector as part of a bigger deal
1: yeah i i think that there's definitely something to that also it can't be ignored that um Tyrese Halliburton and Niang are best friends. So, you know, that has to be considered if you're yeah. Daryl Morey. But um, going back to Daryl Morey with the uh, with the, me- the thing you mentioned that Nubek um, said that we ha- we would have more interest in a Halliburton than a De'Aaron Fox. It goes. It reminds me, it jogs my memory back to we had uh, Jake Fisher on Everything's Fine, the podcast that I do, uh, uh, I think a month or two ago. And I asked him. Because I've always kind of, you know, when I thought about Daryl Morey, what he wants and what he looks at, especially being such a, you know, such a uh, part of the movement of three-point shooting in the NBA. And I just find it hard to believe that he would cash in his chips, uh, which is right now Ben Simmons and whatever he's going to attach to Ben Simmons to De'Aaron Fox, a guy that's just not a, a great shooter from three. So the, him him having more interest always made more sense uh, in, in Halliburton. And Jake Fisher kind of confirmed that. He said, you know, maybe they would have interest in Fox, but he thinks that it would only be as a, a reroute, a, as someone that maybe you use that in a three-team deal or you trade for him and then trade him again, which I think, Newbeck might have even mentioned as well, so um, I, I think the information's pretty good there. But Halliburton's an interesting—that's eh, an interesting conversation because obviously with Halliburton's salary, you would have to add, you know, a, a Buddy Hield, a, a Harrison Barnes, maybe a Bagley, end a Rashawn, something like that, but probably a, a Buddy or a Barnes to to Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyree Tallerburton is a really good player. Uh, I think he's a really solid player in a lot of ways for the things you mentioned, and especially him being such a, an Uber efficient player and an Uber efficient three point shooter. Um, it, it would be a great fit with Joel at, at that guard position where he's not too ball dominant. He wouldn't take the ball out of Maxi's hands too much. And I think you could play him and Seth or him and Maxi. So in that way, I, I think he's pretty, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not finding the word I want to use, but I think he, <laughs> you you can integrate him pretty well into this team and into either lineup that you want to use, either guard you want to play with him, even shake. Uh, so I, I think he's really adaptable, I guess. The question with him is, is he what he is? Is Tyrese Halliburton? going to grow into a better player. We have seen him obviously grow a little bit as he's been in the NBA, but I kind of have some thoughts that this is what he is. And this is kind of what I thought coming out of college. I thought he'd be a a really solid player right away. And he was, and I I think he's still that solid player. I have doubts that he's going to take another step to be maybe like an 18, 19 plus point game scorer, but maybe he doesn't have to be that here. So there's always some calculus on, you know, what do you have to add to Joel that equals the title? And we don't know what that is because you know, if Joel's this good, maybe it's not as much as we think it is. Like you kind of mentioned earlier, and maybe Halliburton and Barnes is good enough. Barnes is a weird fit with Tobias. Buddy's a weird fit with everything, kind of. So there, there's a you know, it's a hard conversation. I'm more open to the Halliburton package than I was a month or a month ago or a couple of months ago. But my fear with it is that I think the hope is that Halliburton develops into almost a Drew Holiday piece where he's the Drew Holiday to, you know, Drew was, he is what Drew yes. Giannis. Uh, he could be, yeah, I'm not wording that very well. He could be to Joel what Drew was to Giannis and yeah. it could level that up a little bit. And maybe Tobias can be Middleton. Who knows? So <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah I I, 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 that's, that's assuming a lot, but it's something I think that you, you kind of do have to introduce into this conversation and I'm sure you're going to get to it more with the Hawks piece. I think that everyone's joking and laughing about, Oh, how do you unload 80 the Kyle Kuzma tweet? How do you unload 80 million with Ben Simmons and Tobias? The team that can do it is Sacramento. If we want to have a, a crazy, let's just swap rosters 2K trade, you can do like Halliburton, Buddy, Barnes, and Bagley for Ben, Matisse, and you know, Tobias. And you're big time swap. You basically give Joel Embiid an entire new team of shooters. It's yeah. interesting. It's interesting just to get off to bias, but I, I don't know. My like, guess. Better it makes
0: them. Yeah. I mean, my guess is that Daryl would probably love that trade just because like <laughs> you really lean into the three point shooting mold that you, you want in theory around Embiid. Um, speaking of Harrison Barnes. So like we've addressed the, the De'Aaron Fox and we've addressed, addressed the, we've addressed the uh, Tyrese Halliburton thing. Um, I think we both agree that Halliburton's a better fit, um, and that the Sixers seem to think that too. But like, if we look at like, I, I I like the idea of Buddy Heald because the Sixers just don't have a guy that can get up eight threes in a game. Like they just don't have that. They need that. <laughs> they really need that. Um, and he is that guy. Whether his shot selection is good or to a game the game basis is is arbitrary, <laughs> but um, he will get up eight threes for you. He will make a high percentage of them, and that's kind of what you need. Um, and he's going to be more open than he's ever been before in his life on the, on the Sixers. And I, I've i kind of been thinking lately, I don't know how this works in terms of salary structure in the future, whether this is legal or not in 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 an NBA world. Um, but let's say you give Furcon a one-year $20 million deal last summer. You just send him to Sacramento. They get off the healed contract because that was a mistake. And then you get Buddy Heal. I feel like that's like you don't have to do too much crazy – shape-shifting for, for for trades. Again, I don't know if that's even allowed, but I'm kind of thinking, like, why haven't they tried that? <laughs> like, why didn't they think of that? Maybe that isn't appealing to them. I don't know. But that is something that I feel like would make a lot of sense. Like, hey, Furkan just isn't that good of a player. He's not. Um, he, 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 he he varies from game-to-game game basis. They need a shooter that's more accurate than him and more consistent than him. That's Buddy Heald. You have the bird rights to Furkan Korkmaz. I don't know why... Like like, 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 you, you, don't have to sign them in the calf space. It wouldn't have been a hard thing to do. Um, and so I guess it comes down to: Do you want to have that healed salary on the books long term? And I, I guess the evident answer is no, which makes sense. But I, I, I think that would have been an
1: interesting conversation to have. Um, other well, guys, they're, go good. I think that's what they're kind of thinking with Danny Green a little bit. I, I, I don't. I think that they were there was like, there's no way we're going to let Danny go because there's a chance that you know we trade Ben, we make that trade, and then at the deadline. Something comes up where someone wants to move something, and all we'd have to give up is Danny Green and you know, whatever picks or whatever, uh, to attach that for salary. I think that was why there was no way they were ever going to let Danny Green go.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I can't, Im- I feel like it's like a crime against the basketball gods to send Danny Green to Sacramento. Like, here you go. <laughs> Here You've been good for the locker room. You've been good for our guys. Let's send you to Sacramento. Which, I mean, they'd probably buy him out of his deal, and then he'd ultimately end up back in, like, L.A. or whatever. But, you know. Um, Now, the other guy is Harrison Barnes, which, if you're keeping Tobias, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess you could potentially make the case for for, 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 uh, shifting Barnes over to the three. Although, I don't know what his agility looks like anymore. But... His usage is way lower than Tobias is, which is conducive to trusting Maxi with more at the ball on his hand, which I think they need to do anyway. So, I mean, if you're looking for a forward that doesn't need a lot of touches, Harrison Barnes is that guy. Um, he's basically taking all threes or getting to the rim. And, by the way, he's shooting 42% on threes. So anything within the arc is leaving a lot to be desired. He's not a great mid-range shooter, not great around the rim, but really good from three. Um, you don't want him trying to make plays. But that's kind of exactly what you want for, for a guy that's in, in Tobias' role, but on way less money. So I think that's a piece that they would probably want back in any kind of deal they do um, for, you know, involving Ben or even if they move Tobias. Maybe, maybe that is part, part of what they're trying to do. Um, I think Barnes is a
1: really good fit on this team. Just a random thought that isn't that isn't that sixers related Harrison Barnes wise I was talking to a friend the other day about how Andrew Wiggins is kind of getting overrated again I, I think he's <laughs> I think he's really overrated right now um if you just look at the Twitter conversation and the all-star yeah. voting which is always a would shame you vote fight. for
0: him would you vote for him N- no no
1: I would not I, I absolutely would not I think I would, I, I would oh. not to be a starter
0: but I think if I if I had yeah. the power to where I, I I was the
1: one making the decisions for the All Star teams, I think he would be my last guy yeah. It'd be really hard for me to put on him or Draymond with their numbers, but I, I guess you have to put one on. I, right. That's that's the that's the issue. But if Harrison Barnes was on the Warriors instead of Andrew Wiggins, would they be better or worse? I don't know the numbers for Wiggins. I can't. I, yeah, I, I'd I'm... have to. I, yeah, I'd have to look at it too. But mm-hmm. I, I, my argument would be that Andrew Wiggins is like. Benefiting from the situation, I think if Harrison Barnes was there and if Andrew Wiggins is in Sacramento, I think likely that not much changes for either team. Fair, fair. Just the I mean, random. That's a random. Or maybe the Kings like. are worse. Maybe the Kings are worse. If
0: anything, that, that could be true. Um, but as, I, did you did you read the Hollinger piece today? For on what All Star selections? No, I didn't. I don't. I don't he chose that. Anthony Davis to be on the All Star team.
1: Yeah, it's like the Lillard thing too, right? Like, do they just get there for for the name at this point? It was like I was I'm, the, I'm like reading it. And I'm like pulling my hair. I'm like, am I missing something? Did an did did Anthony Davis spontaneously
0: come back under a different name, and I just missed it? <laughs> like, like, is it, like, like, is this the Taren, the, the Talen Horton Tucker thing, where they just like, <laughs> like, like, like I'm really high on this guy anyway. I don't care how good he
1: actually is. It's pretty funny like Anthony Davis you look at the numbers even from when he was playing and it's like oh they're they're really good but then when, when you were watching the Lakers and when you were watching him it was like man Anthony Davis just does not look the same horrible he did not he did not pass the eye test not to be a boomer or anything but the the stats are surprisingly like not as bad as you'd think from watching him but he has, he's missed too much time
0: yeah no absolutely um so I think you and I are both kind of like Nah, on a, on a on a Kings trade, we're not too high on anything the Kings have, which is surprising because the Kings are not a good basketball team, and you're not a good basketball team when you don't have a good you don't have a star. So there's that. Move um, on over to the Hawks. They have emerged as a as a as a possible team recently. Um, I will tell you this off the bat. From what I can gather, Ben would like to be traded to the Hawks that i'm sure yeah yeah i'm sure from, from what i can gather which i mean i think if you put them in a high pick and roll and you just and you just do like those double drag actions that they love to do with um with shrey with young i think that makes sense because ben can just dive to the rim problem is then like what do you do with capella because you need your stretch big um and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh with ben simmons there but cam reddish take a look at cam reddish um you know what i'll tell
1: you what. why don't you start who do you want to start with on the Hawks? I think uh, the Hawks are interesting because it's like what I mean. There, there's so many pieces at this point because no one knows what the Hawks um, are, are really willing to trade. I think you could take obviously Trey Young out of the conversation. And you could take Capella out of the conversation because there's no there's no fit here. So it really is like, is it John Collins? There's obviously rumors that. He wants out and he isn't happy, uh, even just after signing his contract there. You know, Kevin Herter could be uh, up for debate. Danilo Gallinari has salary uh, that could match. And then there's um, obviously uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's another guy that could be in this in this conversation. He's probably the most interesting to me, Bogdanovich. So I guess we should start there. I've always been a, a huge fan of his game. And um, even he had some bad games against us in in the playoffs last year, but he would hit shots at the biggest moments not to not to be that type of guy but bogdanovich carried them last year in moments where trey young was out for a while um, yeah. at, right after lord Lloyd Pierce got fired and he he is a, a really good player who can really take over games so bogdanovich is, is interesting to me I'd probably you know I I think that the biggest I, never I'll, I'll save that thing for a little bit from now but the Hawks probably don't have a package that that makes me think okay I, I'm in
0: yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Although they have a bunch of guys that are theoretically like perfect <laughs> for the Sixers, um, which guy do you want to talk about first? I guess we could start with Bogdanovich. All right. So his injury concerns, or I, th- I think, are a little bit like worrisome for me. I do like Cali's contract is I think isn't expiring, or it's like very short. So I mean, you could always reallocate that money to someone else if you don't like what you're getting. Out of that, uh, out of him, um, I think that's a good, a good deal uh, or a good piece to have in a deal um, if you're mo- trading with them. Um, I also feel like the more likely to be moved player would probably to be, be Gallinari.
1: Yeah, I think if there's a trade with with us involving either just Ben or like like we talked about earlier, Ben and Tobias. Either way, I think Danilo will be involved
0: um let's go over to DeAndre Hunter i think he is a guy who is like a really nice piece to get in a deal um, i think he in their their defense is the biggest problem and he's like the best wing defender of the th- of of the 3 or you know of any of the wings they have there
1: mm-hmm. the
0: concern is this They've played 178 regular season games since he was drafted. Do you know how, do you know, what percentage of games he's played in of those regular season games? Yeah, not, not a high percentage 54%. So yeah. not reliable enough in terms of availability. That That's a problem. Um, Cam Reddish. I, I, I like the name. Obviously, I have, I have a bit of a Cam Reddish uh, connection. Yeah. Bias, maybe a little bit there, but career high in usage, frigid playmaking. There's a terrible playmaker. You don't want him making plays. Um, he's shooting 42% on twos. Meh. Um, 37% on threes. Pretty good. Um, he takes t- Mostly his shot distribution is mostly threes, but a balance of middies and shots at the rim. Um, <laughs> by the way, shooting 30% on middies, which is horrendous. That's, hard. that's, a, that's a terrible, terrible number. Um, he's got to give you a call. He's got to like right, Austin. That's right. So he, forgot, he, forgot, he, forgot, he forgot some of the things that, that, uh, <laughs> that he learned. Fifty-seven um, percent at the rim, which is not good. Um, he's perhaps not as aggressive a defender as he could be given his size and length, but he gets steals, doesn't commit a lot of fouls, and leads Atlanta into, in deflection. So there is some tangibles in there. Indeed, there are some things there in defense that you do like. Um, there's growth there. I think there's growth that he needs to exhibit before, he, before you're ready to say anything about him. Problem is I don't think the Sixers have the patience for waiting on a young guy to figure it out. I, I don't think there's enough time for that. Um, and he just hasn't made a big enough jump in three in, in three years. Now part of that is like, well, why hasn't he played that much in three years? I mean, um, early, why, why hasn't he been given, you know, enough leash in three years. I mean, I feel like he was a very high-tatted player coming out of the draft. He's kind of, like, he's had some injury stuff, but he's mostly not not had a lot of usage um, with the Hawks, even though this is his career best usage. It still isn't anything, like, that crazy. Um, Gallinari is a guy who, I feel like if there's any one shooter in the NBA that year after year has just crushed the Sixers, it's been Gallinari. And the funny thing is like, he gets no lift under his shot at all. He just makes these insane line drive shots. like Out of the post, he's killed the Sixers. He's killed them from three to the three that he missed the buzzer earlier in the season that would have won the game for Atlanta in Atlanta. Um, I was like, that's going in. There's no way it's not going in. And then he it was just a little bit short. He's been a Sixers killer. I think like the second most points of his career came against Sixers when he was on the Knicks.
1: Yeah, I, he's someone that's always killed us. He's he's someone I've probably always overrated a little bit in, in my head, and I I think that if there was a trade with Atlanta, I don't I I don't think there will be. I really don't think that the Ben Simmons trade will be with us receiving pieces from Atlanta, I I guess I should say. Um, So I, I I don't think it'll happen, but if it does, Danilo will be involved. Um, And I do think that, you know, he would play well on our team. I think he'd be a good fit with Joel. Um, You put shooters around Joel, it's going to work pretty much no matter who it is. You you saw that with Ersan Eliasova a a couple of years ago. And I think Danilo is a way, way, way better version. So um, I, I think, there's an argument to be made that it's a good fit there's also an argument to be made that you know you have guys like niang and furcon that are both pretty unathletic and both playing at the forwards would be maybe not a great argument to to add danilo to that and maybe we need more athleticism and not less athleticism so i don't think it's uh, there's any perfect trade with atlanta but i think that the news and the takeaway of this rumor should be that there's more teams and this has always kind of been i think your point as well as mine on waiting on the Ben Simmons trade. As we get farther in the season, teams that are disappointed with what they're doing are going to become more desperate. You're already seeing that with a lot of teams. And when you're seeing teams float out interest in Ben Simmons, this means that at least this Atlanta becomes a contender for a three-team trade. Atlanta becomes maybe someone out, out there wants John Collins, and we can take something from there and they can get Ben Simmons. And who Like, I, I just think the more suitors for Ben Simmons, the better, even if there's pieces, if, even if there's not necessarily pieces on that team that are a perfect fit for the Sixers.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Um, let me ask you this. How would you feel about like someone that profiles like Tobias, but is better than or that is, is better than Tobias? I guess is what I would say. Who are you? Who are you referring to? <laughs> John Collins is surprisingly similar to Tobias. Um Obviously the rumor right now is he's not happy with his role in Atlanta. He would have a chance at a higher usage in Philly. Um, And I was kind of surprised that he takes as good care of the ball as he does. His turnovers are pretty low, Um, but his shooting splits 58.3% on twos, 42.7 on threes, 59.8 effective field goal. So he's an excellent shooter shooting. So, I mean, across the board, just, Crushing Tobias and shooting. Um, doesn't take a lot of threes, though. But a lot of mid-range jumpers and at the rim. So, basically, has the, he has the Tobias profile. Um, I will say 73% at the rim, which is good. 41% on middies, which is pretty good. Defense is largely unimpressive. So, I mean, if you're looking for a Tobias but upgraded, that would be essentially John Collins, plus way better vertical athlete. Um, I think if you were to do the Ben deal – I'm not convinced the Hawks would be so willing to include him in a Ben deal because that's like their double drag go to is John Collins popping out, um, and I mean I guess Hunter could be that guy, but he's not available to play all that often. Um, but I mean, it kind of depends on where you stand on the Tobias shooting profile. I don't I don't mind him taking a lot of mid range jumpers because he's he was he was good at them. Right now, not so much. But people, analytics people are like. Oh, I hate it. He needs to take more threes. Like, I don't care about that. Like, if you make if you make 50 something percent of your twos, <laughs> you need, yeah.
1: yeah. You 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 need him taking more threes, right? Yeah, 100 percent I want Tobias taking more threes. I want John Collins taking more threes, to be yeah. honest. I feel the same way about both of them for sure. Okay. I mean,
0: I get it because at some point it's like you're it's like you're not you're if it's, if the other team is making 15 threes and you're making 15 mid-range jumpers. That's great, but you're you're not going to win that battle because three is worth more than two. Um, at the same time, if you're not if, if you're a markedly worse three-point shooter than you are a two-point or you are a mid-range shooter, I'd prefer you stepping in and taking a mid-range jumper if you feel like that's like the best shot for you. But if the three is open, take the three. It's it not that hard.
1: Yeah, this is a, a fun little personal story. And not fun. Uh, it was the Sixers, so it's not it's not fun. But um, some people may know me um, or may follow me based on the streak thing that happened last year in the playoffs where I was tweeting about my girlfriend was undefeated and then it died a painful, painful, painful death oh. in game five um, against the Sixers or against the Hawks, I mean. Are you still in therapy? Uh, <laughs> I was in it before, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. No, I'm joking. But um, I, I, I think... Uh, Ever since that game, my girlfriend who was at the game with me and obviously has to watch a lot of basketball around me, she va- she doesn't value 2-point shots. Like Joel Embiid could dunk over someone and like shove them into the front row and she like wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't get her going at all. She, 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 just complains anytime the sixes aren't shooting three. So I'm someone like you just made fun of me a little bit for, who's like, why is it to buy a threes? But I find myself now watching games with someone who will, we will hit four straight twos. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's not a three. And I'm like, twos matter too. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm on both sides of it now, but um, yeah, generally I am like a, just shoot all the threes type of guy. And Tobias Harris has shown in his career that he can do it. Like in his LA Clippers days, I was like, I, as you know, um, we're not going to get into it too much on this podcast. There's no real place for it, but I, we, I'm not a huge doc rivers guy. I never have been a doc rivers. guy. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, but, but that goes pre Sixers. That's uh, that goes to the Clippers and the Celtics days. And the re- but the one reason that I was like, okay, you know what? I'm fine with it. Uh, he'll he'll do something good for the Sixers was I thought Tobias would get back to the three point volume and the type of play that he had on the Clippers. And he was a lot better last year. So doc did help out Tobias for sure, but it it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So um, that's, that's definitely been frustrating with Tobias and a big part of the reason that I, you know, and I didn't, I didn't vocalize this correctly. The Kings thing, the Kings packages, like we said, I'm meant on, I think where I'm at with the, the Sacramento thing is if you want to take Tobias, we can talk. Like that's probably where I'm at. Fair, that's
0: fair. Um, um, I think it's funny. Like now that now every time Tobias does like the thing where he like jabs, dances, and then pulls up for a mid range two. His mellow,
1: his mellow impression.
0: Yeah. Yes. I my eyes are less fixated on Tobias and more on Doc behind him and what Doc is doing because if he's like. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> raising his arms in disgust and like waving them off. Like I give up. <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's like, that's, that's about, that about sums it up. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's ugly. It's been ugly a time this year for sure. And he doesn't have Ben in his way. to sort of take the blows for their bad losses. Cause when they lose now and it's bad, it's because of Tobias a lot of the times. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been problematic there. Um, I, I'm not sold on on the Hawks being so willing to be to include John Collins. What do you think of Kevin Herter? Ah,
1: oh, please don't hurt her. I'm a huge Kevin Herter guy, even though he did he did hurt us um, last year in Game Seven. He was an axe murderer against us. But um, I, Kevin herter has been a guy that I've liked for a long time. But it, it's the, it's kind of the same thing with Herter, Hunter, and Reddish. It's all kind of like in theory. I could get behind any of the three of them, you know, Hunter, you got the tough nosed defensive guy who can hopefully be a really good shooter from three um, with, with reddish. You have, if Austin Krell gets his hands back on him, he's going to be a top 10 player in the NBA. Uh, well, his shot will be going right. Um, and, and then with Herder, you pay me a lot more <laughs> than pay me now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> with Herder, you have the idea of, you know, maybe this guy can be homeless man's clay Thompson. Like uh, there's, there's a lot there to be excited about Kevin Herder, but, None of them have materialized into what you'd want it to before the i before making the decision to go in on one of those guys. Kind of, you'd want to see some more steps than we've seen on improvement from Herder, Hunter, or Reddish to really take any of them very seriously as a uh, you know as a a part of the trade, and especially with Herder because Herder I, I can't remember the exact salary um that Herder got and because he just did sign a contract, but it, it was like I know it's four million like over I, four something like that. It's not cheap though. So it's not like we're talking about a guy on a discount anymore. So um, that's something that you do have to factor in with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, just taking a quick scan of like what, what is statistical production looks like? Um, pretty good passer at the wing, uh, like a little bit high in the turnover category. Um, shooting 57% on twos, 38 from three effective field goal is pretty good. Um, I mean, you know, he, he, he's, he's a fine wing shooter. Um, a lot of threes, a lot of mid range, doesn't get to the rim at all, really. And then you know, his in his mid-range game and three-point game, and really the 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 calling cards, he actually is a better rim finisher than for, than you'd expect for a guy that doesn't get to the rim at all that much. But um I mean he's, he's he's a fine scorer. Um you know he's like just a run of the another run of the mill wing, I guess is what I would say. Like pretty good not he, he, maybe maybe he adds another element to what you do in the playoffs but he's not changing your life um in in, in any way so those are all names i think that they could look at in in, a, in in a trade with the hawks i didn't really factor in bogdanovich or 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 the uh john collins no 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 the Gallinari, Gallinari. Um, because they're not like long-term pieces mm-hmm. they wouldn't like they're kind of just like expirings that you would either choose to resign at a discount or, or, you know, do whatever with. But um, I mean, I think they would, they would both be fine fits with the Sixers. I, it was certainly fun watching Bogdanovich just rip the, per- the Sixers apart when Doc refused to switch and, and just like, would like let let Tyrese go at him all all fourth quarter and and he had like nine straight or whatever it was against the sixers to win that game for yeah. uh, for christmas <laughs> that was that was something
1: <laughs> yeah, he's when he's good, he's awesome that's the thing about bogdanovich, but he's taken a step back this year uh pretty significantly so. Um, that's something if Bogdanovich was putting up the same numbers he put up last year, uh, maybe, maybe I could be talked into it a little bit more, or maybe he could be a piece in a three team deal that I could be interested in. But I, I, I think that the most noteworthy thing is just that there's another team that's interested in that, that. There's another team that you can add to the, the list of desperate teams. Uh, and Atlanta is absolutely on that list. They're one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA so far.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Move on to Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown has taken the Sixers by storm in his (laughs) couple appearances that he's made. Um, The Sixers finally got a Philly guy that they actually kept too, which is which is which is cool. That they had Mikhail Bridges, they let him go for the lovely Zaire Smith. That was don't get me
1: started. That was a
0: very good tenure he had, where he played like five games. Um, Yeah, that was something, Um, and. Who was they had somebody else
1: who I'm forgetting about? Hmm.
0: Maybe they had a chance at Sadiq Bay or like
1: didn't or like didn't take it. maybe I, they, I don't remember. They've had plenty of chances at Ryan Arch. I should have okay, taken that's him. right. That's right. My, um, my, my Chamonix high school alumni. There you
0: go. Now he's now he's a knickerbocker. Yeah, I know.
1: I hope he I hope he sticks on there. Yeah.
0: Um but Charlie Brown, I, I tell you, if there's anybody who's ever been perfect at doing the dirty work things that like teams love it's him. <laughs> and I mean the Sixers are a garbage perimeter defense. They're uh, well, mostly garbage. I won't I won't say in totality but generally speaking they're not a very good perimeter defense. They're a terrible rebounding team. In his two games he was hustling every loose rebound, he was getting deflections, he was getting out and helping them defend. He played he played it perfectly in those couple games. And He got rewarded. They just signed him to a two-way deal tonight. Um, He's filled a need for them. And he just kind of slided in perfectly. I don't know what his agent told him or did or I don't know what he drank, what kind of foods he might have consumed before being signed to the Sixers. But they made his brain just – it was a mega brain move for him. He was like, I'm going to do literally everything that you need me to do that you guys aren't good at.
1: I I might. I'm I'm a little bit of cold water here. Wow. I'm not. I'm not quite as enthused about the Charlie Brown Jr. experience as everyone else is. He is a dirty work guy, though. You're you're right there. So, I, I, I get bringing him on. I was more excited by the Tyler Johnson era. I, I I would have been happier keeping Tyler Johnson around and keeping a bench shooter off off the bench and having a guy that can kind of come in and take over a game for a, a two minute stretch every once in a while. Um, and I, I think that's what I would be looking for uh, with a guy at the end of the bench. But I, I get the argument that, you know, you want an unselfish guy who can go out there and play with any lineup and you can go and play some defense. But I guess uh, I, I don't know if I want another guy out there who's a complete net negative on offense.
0: Well, those are just so much fun.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, saw,
0: I saw him, the first shot he took last night, I cracked up because I was like, <laughs> it, it may be a foul, but my God, man, did you miss that, that three, about 11 feet short of the bat. I mean, it, it hit the bottom of the close side of the rip, or of the backboard. It, it clipped the bottom corner of the close side of the backboard. That's how off it was. Um, which I thought was hilarious. Even if it was blocked or he was fouled, still, um, I thought it was hilarious. Now, um, his shot needs a lot of work. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a shot put catapult type thing where he gets it over that right shoulder and he just slings it. And like, like buddy, you got to clean that up. That's,
1: it's gonna get blocked or you're just not gonna make many shots. Yeah, um, I, I just don't see him having like a long term a role on the team i guess maybe i'm right
0: you might be right you might be right but i do think that like for a team that is just so barren of wing defenders that can like switch two through three or two through four i feel like it's not a bad find maybe there's a depth piece there that you can hang on to maybe not um i don't have a problem with it this, this season
1: yeah, I, I totally understand why people are excited about it. It's like last year I was like clamoring for Tari and Prince at the deadline. So it's like I I totally get just wanting something at, at the perimeter to play some defense because we're not good at it currently. And it's, you know, the reason that my, you know, my dreams at night are about trading Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown uh, because you (laughs) you add a guy like Jalen Brown into the wing defense and that's like incredible. And I do think eventually Boston's going to have to be on that list of desperate teams that we were just talking about and mentioning. So um, that's kind of uh, not to bring it back to a Ben Simmons conversation. Um, You you are obviously missing Ben Simmons. So that's going to hurt your perimeter defense and that's where we are. And it's funny. Like I, I put that Sacramento trade out there that I mentioned earlier with the three pieces for their four pieces. And it's like, well, you're trading Ben and Matisse, so can your perimeter defense handle that? And it's like, well, Ben's not playing right now, so our perimeter defense is already not handling that well. Um, So I I get trading Matisse would hurt that too, but that's kind of why I'm willing to hold out um, for the perfect kind of role. And Brandon Ingram's not a great wing defender, but I'm really interested in adding a wing to this team. Um, so maybe that would also negate the need for a, a Charlie Brown Jr. down the line, but um, I am hoping that they add a wing at some point, whether that be a huge move or uh, or whether that be something like Tarian Prince or something like that.
0: Have you ever like seen Jalen Brown shooting free throws? It's like a wild adventure. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I don't get
1: what's happening
0: there. It's like like his mechanics are sound, but
1: he either nails it or it's like a very profound brick. <laughs> yeah it's that's like the one weird thing about his game and he's been he's improved in so many like i was not a jalen brown guy like coming out of the college and even when he started being a pretty good player i was like ah, he's overrated and uh, like i I just was kind of always pushing back against it the way he's grown these last couple years is shocking uh, how good he's turned himself into as an offensive piece especially but it's shocking that he hasn't fixed that especially with how good of a shooter he's become and how good of a scorer he's become it's shocking that he's just like i think he's is he 70% something around there from free throw? Like it's, I think it's like
0: lower than that, like 60 something.
1: Yeah. It's it's, I know it's not good. It's not what you'd think. It's a shocking. If you don't like, if anyone out there that's like just a casual fan and doesn't know like what Jalen Brown's strengths and weaknesses are, I don't think that they would guess he's a sub 70 or around that percentage free throw shooter.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's not the first Celtic to just brick everything he throws up, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it's just a very odd phenomenon. Um, would if you if I told you at the beginning of the year that the Sixers would be would be replacing the Ben Simmons defensive prowess with the likes of Matisse Thybulle and Charlie Brown Jr. What what, what what would you have said to that? <laughs>
1: um, I I think that the thing that I I the thing that I always go back to is like you're gonna have to make sacrifices in certain areas. I I, I guess so. That's the whole thing about Ben Simmons, and a lot of people are are, are saying oh, if we had Ben, how many more wins would we have? And I, I, I do think that we'd probably have another win or two or a couple more wins maybe, um, especially without Joel. But people forget that the minutes with Ben on the floor without Joel are never, have never been good. Yes. And it, ever. They've never been good. So, and, uh, so maybe we would have played Ben every single minute with Joel, which is what I was clamoring for. I know a lot of people had a problem with the bench shift. Um, in the past that Doc would run out. That's actually one of the problems I never really had with Doc, and I never really brought up with Doc, because I always wanted to see Ben and Joel playing every minute that they could together. So if Ben was on this team currently, sure, our perimeter defense would be a lot better, and our pace would be a lot better. We'd be way better. I think we're like 29th in fast break right now. So uh, we'd be way better in those areas that we're really lacking in. But I think that the negative impact he'd have on the bench lineups and the lineups with Drummond in it would almost – subtract any positives that would come elsewhere away from it so um it's just it's all and it's the same thing when you're talking about who you're trading ben for it's all about sacrifices and what you're willing to sacrifice to get better in what area with trading ben to add whatever you're adding for um
0: sexy says do you notice <laughs> do you notice a lot of tobias shots are short possible minor injury it's been three I years
1: do- yeah. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> I do <laughs> notice they've been short and I that typically is indicat- indicative of um, a lower body injury but um I think covid could be in play still and then people are like everyone has covid but like we, we truthfully don't know the long-term side no, of yeah for sure we don't. Um, so I think it's like hard to comment on um the Celtics aren't bailing the Sixers out of their Brick Simmons situation.
1: That's f- I, wh- whatever. I, I, everyone loves to like throw that at me anytime I throw that out there. They're they're below 500, I think, right now. So,
0: yeah, yeah uh, they're, they're well below 500. So, I mean, uh, it, it's it, and Ben would probably be what their second
1: best player if they traded. They don't have, yeah, their third best player, whoever that is, probably Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, whoever you want to say it is. They're nowhere close to as good as Ben Simmons. So, if you traded Brown or Tatum they'd be uh, Ben would be their second best player, but, My point on it is Boston's going to have to be desperate. Brad Stevens is new in his job. He can't just sit there like Danny Ainge did for last year when they got a seven seed or whatever that was. And he can't just sit there while they go another 40 and 42 season with, you know, two studs and centerpieces. So I do think Boston's going to have to make a move. And I I do think that that move is going to end up having to be breaking up Tatum and Brown. And they're not going to trade Tatum. So I do think that they will end up trading Brown. And I don't understand really what people think people – will offer for Jalen Brown. I don't know who's going to come in with a better off. We could offer Ben and Matisse and a bunch of draft picks. So I don't know who's going to offer a better package to that. That would fit better. Cause I do think Ben would fit pretty well in Boston with Tatum. So I, I don't know what Boston's going to get that's a better offer than that for Brown, or even if Brown became available and Boston had to make a move and they didn't want Ben, like I said, with Atlanta, it could become a three team situation where, you know, Oh, maybe Portland is more interested in Jalen Brown and Damian Lillard becomes available and Lillard goes to Boston Ben and everything goes to Portland and we get Jalen Brown. We don't know what's going to happen. I think that that's kind of the argument for holding on to Ben because it's like we're seeing these teams like Atlanta and Portland and all these teams disappoint and it's like, oh, they have to do something. Ben Simmons might be that something. Eventually he's going to be that something for someone. That's disappointment.
0: Yeah, I think like this notion like bail the Sixers out of their Ben Simmons situation, when you're under 500 – it's also like we're doing the, the, the sixers are doing you a favorite pal like it's like it's not like like you're not in this position where you're high up on the chain and you're like like you know like like everything's great no you're below 500 you can't like, like you you're, you don't have any kind of defensive prowess you have two guys who don't pass the ball to anybody it, it's it's not working. And Ben Simmons is a, is probably a better fit for what the Celtics need, even if he's not as good as either player, mm-hmm. which I mean with Jason Tatum, you could I would debate that Ben Simmons isn't as good as Jason Tatum, honestly. Um I, I honestly I would. I, I don't know that it would be a well-received debate, but I mean I would I'd probably contend it. Um get you, you'll have to get Tiago on here for that. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, but it's not, it's 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 says look at the Celtics. Look at the Sixers. It's, I think it's a mutually beneficial situation if you would, to, if you were to trade Jalen for for Ben. Honestly, I think that I think they would both even be better for it. Um, I totally agree. Now, and no, I don't believe that. I think they have a better shooting, Seth Curry. That's that's a fact. I think. Um,
1: it's tough because the original argument was this.
0: I said the original argument was. I think Seth Curry is a better standstill shooter than Ben uh, than,
1: than his brother. It might be true if he's wide open. I guess the, the thing that's different is because he shoots so much less, and he yes. it's the, the percentage that he's shooting or uh, in terms of the looks that he's getting are so much better than Steph because Steph has to do so much to get looks. It's a tough conversation, so you'd really have to like sit there and watch them in a gym and like study on who's missing more in an open gym. So uh, they should do some sort of contest, you know, like in COVID they had like the all the golf. You Know the, the celebrities golfing against each other, Seth, Seth and Steph should do some sort of shooting contest in the gym, get Clay involved too, yeah, exactly right. And then we can get like the, the guy who dressed up as Clay just so we can have a, <laughs> a, a similar looking
0: brother on the floor, well. yeah, yeah, two brothers. Um, Embiid's handle and passing growth has been nothing short of spectacular. Um, this season. He is his career blows his career previous career high out of the water and assist percentage 24%. That's 96 percentile of bigs. Um, still, like his turnovers are, are, are down too, like lowest turnover percentage of his career. His playmaking has been sensational this season, especially of late. Um, the Sixers the team are not turning the ball over as much anymore they're maximizing value out of their possessions even if they're missing everything they shoot because they pretty much are right now they they don't make a lot of shots but (laughs) but um he is seeing the floor so much better than he ever has before
1: yeah I mean he's up one and a half assists he's down almost like a half a turnover it's it's amazing and I'm gonna bring up something that I would usually roll my eyes at but um, uh, you know, my dad and boomers out there love to talk about Will Chamberlain. Uh, they oh. love to talk about Will Chamberlain. So, uh, But the thing that uh, people, you know, he dropped 100 points. He averaged 50. He's the best Where player of all time. Happened? Where is it? Where is it? I want to see. Oh, s- I don't believe it either. I don't believe it either.
0: I want to see a signed box score or a, score, <laughs> a video. Hey, you
1: had the picture holding the, there holding the sign. There you go. Like uh, a video, video proof that that actually happened. No, I, I don't. Hey, it happened in Hershey. I I, I don't disagree. I, I think that we should go back and try to you know do film that. I'm skeptical of it too. But uh, but the you know even beyond that, I think that some of the someone's favorite line about him is always like he decided he he people thought of him as just a scorer, so he went out and he led the league in assists. And it's like, well, he was playing against like absolute bums who had second jobs at the as like bartenders. But <laughs> what whatever, I won't get into that. But I will say that there's like some of that with this, where it's like, and he and Joel said as much. Um, I'm sure you have the the quote better down in your head than I do, but he said basically like, I know I hear the criticism, like I hear what everyone says, and um, that that has been something that's been a valid criticism of me. Like I I haven't handled doubles well, and I turn the ball over, I'm not a good passer. Like whatever. I think there's a little bit of it too, where he hears people, you know you know what I'm going to say, but I'm trying to find the words. He hears people drool over Jokic and and he knows that he's, they're the two best bigs in the world. And he wants to, he knows he's not going to be as good of a passer as Jokic, but he wants to at least make it a con like where, Oh, he's, he's a good passer. So he can be in the conversation for best big in the world. And to just do that, to just be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, that's, that's fine. Like, I'm just going to, you know, be a good passer now. Like I'm, I'm going to sense doubles now. It's like, that's just the cut the, the exact kind of stuff you want to see from the superstar. It's unbelievable. It, and now he's making these passes where he'll, like, he'll like
0: be looking back to Thaible to, to cutting and he'll find him, you know, on a rope. Last night it was like I'm gonna twirl into the lane for a spin move towards to, for a post-up, and then I'm gonna kick the Furcon out of the same move and just like surprise everybody. Like the ball's over here, and you're like, wait, no, the ball's not in MB10, it's over there now. And then and then it's Furcon firing a laser at the backboard that bricks off the side of the rim but uh <laughs> that's, that's that's a different story um mark tell me let's go over some of the betting trends for the sixers because i'm very curious to see what you notice in the betting world i would imagine they're the most impossible team to bet the
1: bet on so they actually that's actually not the case lately at least um as so, so you asked me about sixers gambling trends to prepare a couple and there's two obvious ones that jumped out um right in my brain so i did a little research and they both kind of prove misconceptions that the Negadelfian aspect of the Sixers fan base has kind of been spewing. It kind of pu- proves them wrong. So I, I, not only are the Sixers 7-0, uh, obviously, in their seven-game win streak, they're 7-0 against the spread in, in that seven-game win streak, of which that they've been a favorite in six of those games. So they've been heavily favored in like four or five of those games. There was a narrative that was coming up by you know, fans and a certain media member uh, that we weren't very good. Uh, against bad teams and we were letting bad teams hang around and doc rivers might've even been asked a question about it um, that he was upset by and since then they have pummeled bad teams like i said they're seven and oh against the spread in their last seven they've i think that they've won their last four by uh, double digits now it's they've been really good against bad teams and they beat up on the teams that they should which was obviously a criticism before i think doc should bring that up uh next time he has a big win uh but the Sixers are exceeding the Vegas expectation now on a nightly basis. And Vegas has been pretty high on the Sixers since the preseason uh, when they had their win total at 52 and a half, which was the third highest in the, in the Eastern conference. Um, and, and to that point of this team, even outperforming ex- the expectations they have still, they've been great underdogs. They're three and zero in their last three games as an underdog against the spread. And they've won all three of those straight up in their wins against Brooklyn, Boston and golden state. And they're eight and two, with six outright wins in the last 10 games against the spread as an underdog. So for those who are either saying that, you know, we don't beat up on bad teams enough or that we can't beat good teams, neither are really correct. And it also, and again, this isn't really a gambling trend, but I believe they're on a 60 plus win pace with Joel and beat healthy right now. So I would say that the, the, the gambling really what to look at is, is Joel playing? Yeah, I'll probably bet the Sixers. But really just don't bet the Sixers when Joel's out. And if the Sixers are if the Sixers are underdogs, hammer them. And if the Sixers are playing a really bad team, hammer them. them then too, where they kind of get into troubles when they're like a favorite of between like three to seven points in those games against like uh, you know I, I'm trying to think of one example. Uh, it's not jumping off the top of my head, but that was what it it seemed like. They're really good as big favorites, and then they're really good as underdogs. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. And then for totals like over/unders, they pretty much just play to the other team's um, like pace. It seems like it seems like if they play a team like the Rockets, they will score like 133, or they will score a ton of points. And uh, not one, not 133, but it seems like they, if a team is more so trying to slow it down and playing a grinded out type of offense, the Sixers are more than willing uh, to to kind of go along with that since their their pace is really slow. But even though their pace is so slow, they have been willing to kind of get into some. Games where they sc- I mean, they scored 119 against the Spurs, 116 against the Magic, 133 last game against the Rockets, 111 against the Rockets last night. So um, they have been 110 against the Nets, 114 against the Raptors, 117 against the Wizards. Like they haven't scored below 110 in this winning streak. So they, I guess that you could say their offense and their pace has been up a little bit. And it, it really is. It, it's not a great sign that we're kind of letting the other team dictate the pace. But in terms of an over under standpoint, that's really what to look at with them. What are the in-game trends that you notice? Any? Um, I think that the fourth quarter problem is kind of fixed a little bit right now, and I think Joel Embiid has been the number one factor in that, that uh, he's leading the league in clutch points, and he's been uber efficient in the fourth quarter. So um, that's kind of the the trend in the past has been, you know, oh, the Sixers are up 15. Take the the other team on the money line plus 800, and you're going to win that one every couple games because the Sixers – collapse a lot so i I think that that definitely used to be a trend it doesn't seem to be as much anymore i don't know outside of joel really what that is um but i I think the main aspect of it is that when you have a guy like joel who has been as good as he has as a closer in the fourth quarter it's going to lift everyone else up and we see that with every lineup joel's in i mean you you can look at every player they're better with joel on the court pretty much besides the only exception is actually maxi which is disappointing because he's the player you want to fit with joel the most as one of the most important pieces on the team but uh guys like seth guys like niang guys like green uh you look at their numbers with joel on the floor and with joel off the floor and joel is helping every player out with like we said with the passing with the gravity he brings into the paint with the ability that he has to shoot so you have to obviously help off to shoot him it's going to open guys in the corner so uh, joel just does so much on a nightly basis that makes you think like wow you could go at it either way you could go wow we have to trade ben for halliburton in the package right now to get joel as much help as we can or wow if we wait and we get joel you know an actual stud to put next to him this is, this is a championship team no doubt about it so that's you know I don't know how I ended up here from gambling trends but um, Joel, <laughs> the 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 gambling trend is that Joel Embiid is really good and also bet on him to score 31 points because that's what he does now right he, just, he gets to 31 and he's like I'm good 31's my number
0: it should have changed his number to 31 just have yeah, just yeah. Just, just, have, just have Seth switch him and just be like listen you
1: yeah, yeah. take 29 I'll be 31 and then that'll be that um, Mark where can they find you you can find me at Mark Henry jr. Underscore. Uh, I have all my podcasts and all that stuff in the bio. I won't go on a long list of, uh, you know, all the content I do. Uh, it's, it's too much. Um, but, you know, go to, go to at Mark Henry jr. Underscore. I do a ton of podcasts. Everything's fine. I do a lot of stuff here at the painted Lines. So uh, come check it out.
0: Everything's fine. Is it the funniest fucking podcast? Kyle's hilarious.
1: <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is something else. We, uh, we get into it sometimes, but uh, he's been, um, joining that podcast has been really fun. Uh, I, I'm not gonna, I won't break any news here. Um, but, uh, it, it it's, it's been really fun and I, I'm kind of reflecting on it a lot recently. Um, because, so I, I will say that I, I appreciate Kyle bringing me on five or six months ago, um, to be on that podcast. because they had already built something on their own. And I, I, I think that we've built it a, a little bit more uh, since I've joined and he he does great stuff on the side of it with the with the street videos as well um street the are so fun. Man on the, yeah it's, <laughs> it's such it's so great uh this, he um i I always say like for what he maybe lacks in being a nerd like we are um and like a lot of other people are, he makes up with just like his brain works in the, in the most interesting ways. Like he knows what people want to tune into. Like if I want to talk about something dumb on the podcast, he's like, no, people want to hear this. And I, my brain just doesn't work like that. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah. He, he's very smart. He knows what's going to connect to people and people love. Everything's fine. It's, it's funny how often I hear like, as opposed to, um, you know, not to put down anything else I do, but uh, it's, it's a lot different and, and it shows a little bit of a different side of me too. For sure. Absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for happening on tonight. night. Um, any,
0: any, anything interesting going on in, in the world of sports besides the stickers I should know about.
1: Oh, the, uh, hold on. I have a shirt on under here. The Oklahoma, Oklahoma city thunder uh, bet on them. All the time. That's, that's where I'm at right now. I, I bet yeah. the Thunder, like, every time they play, I think they're – I don't have the exact number on the top of my head, but I think they're 24 and 13 against the spread as an underdog. Um, they've only been favored twice this year. Um, so the Thunder, sometimes they lose by 35. Like, that's it, – it, it's a gut punch when you bet them plus 10 and they lose by 35. But most of the time, they tend to keep it a lot closer than you'd think. So I have them plus 9.5 tonight. Against the Wizards, who I have a big bet on the Wizards team total under on the season. I think I have them under 35 and a half wins. They're at 20 and 20. But they've been bad lately, and they've been on a, a big-time skid. I need as many Wizards losses down the uh, down the stretch as possible. So I'm rooting for the Thunder to pull out a, a win, too, outright. I, I think that there's a chance they do as well. Did you bet on the historic 73-point loss? No, I didn't. I, I didn't. Really, I, I've hopped on. They Honestly, I think that... I'd have to crunch the numbers on that they, I think they went on a good run after that really I think that they were kind of middling against the spread up to that point and it does seem like I think they won the next game they played or even like two games later they played Memphis again and beat them I think um but yeah, true they did, <laughs> yeah, did <laughs> they, like right after they lost by 73 they beat them so it did seem like that was a little bit of like a kick in the ass or maybe like Oklahoma City like management like passed down like hey guys like we can't keep getting embarrassed like this we have to play our guys like uh, it's um, the, the thunder have went from being an absolute laughing stock when that happened, uh, about a month ago, actually, cause that was when I went to barstool. That was the day before I went to barstool. So over a month ago now. So the, over the last month or so, they've been really, really good against the spread. And honestly, I think I'd have to look at the record. But they've been pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for coming on and everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back next week for a new episode of the feed to Embiid for now. Everybody stay
1: safe. Have a good week. And, Stay warm. It's cold as shit out there.